Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwashed on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to Reality Check Radio with Don and Jaspreet. Uh, remember to keep that feedback coming in, uh, inbox at realitycheck.radio or text 2057. And boy, have we had uh, a lot of interaction over our five or six months on air. Um, we're bringing back our fir- very first guest for round two tonight. His name is Barry Brill. You may remember we had a very long interview with him right at day one. I said to Barry earlier that uh, hopefully we've improved our lot since then and uh, the sound quality is a whole lot better. So <laughs> let's rip into it. But you all remember that Barry's a, a former National Party MP from um, oh, about the 1980s and 90s. He's got a um, Master of Commercial Law. He's got a Master of Law with Honours. And he's had a wide-ranging career in many fields like uh, energy and electricity, uh, you know, petroleum and, and, and uh, energy companies. And I know he's a very well-traveled man. Um, yeah, I know he's got a bucket list. He's almost knocked, knocked the bastard off, as Hillary would say. So, Barry, welcome back to uh, Greenwashed. And we're going to start today with a bit of news that's gone into our rural rags recently. Um, it's uh, interesting. It's been hard to get any information from Dr. Frame, uh, David Frame, in the uh, in the media, but Farmers Weekly this week, oh, sorry, last week has just put that uh, article together called Tackling Methane Myths Across the Spectrum. And in it, uh, not only is there the uh, press statement, there is also uh, an interview that is on an audio podcast. So Dr. Frame posits a whole lot of stuff, but he doesn't doesn't tell us much. He gives us a whole lot of opinion, but you and he pushes around a few uh, ideas and besmirches the character of some senior uh, scientists in the world. Um, what do you think? What have, what have you? Uh, what's your assessment of that article? Well, good to be here, Don. Uh, I uh, I think it's the curate's egg. There, uh, he makes a couple of good points, uh, and then I think he makes a couple of very bad points. So. Uh, if I could just start with the quote that he, of this sentence that he uses, he says, we actually have a target in New Zealand that would imply that we are no longer warming the planet by about 2035. Uh, and in fact, we're undoing some of the warming we've created by the time we get to 2050. Now, that's an important point which hasn't been emphasised very much. It relies on the fact that the New Zealand overstates the warming done by methane by a factor of seven. Uh, that's not controversial. Uh, that seems to be agreed all round, but nobody actually does anything about it. Now, if you apply uh, the science and reduce that warming by the uh, by its over-calculation, uh, then our targets for 2050 are actually achieved by 2035. So we are way up in front of the world because we are being over-ambitious in trying to reduce uh, figures for our warming that are overstated. 
Now, uh, it's David Frame, of course, just takes some credit for the fact, a lot of credit for the fact that uh, we now know that it's overstated to the by the extent of uh, seven times what it should should be. That's if you believe it does any harm at all. It so, does so any Barry, harming at all. So, Barry, could I just interrupt there? Um, we know the IPCC has said that it overstates its warming potential by three to four times. You're saying by a factor of seven. Um, is that what you mean? Can you explain that? Uh, yes, I probably should accept it's a factor of four and right. down from 28 yes, to seven. Yes, okay. Uh, I, I think a factor of seven is is probably more accurate. However, See, I, what has been accepted by the United Nations is that it should not be 28, but it should be seven. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, our figures, like this 2050, uh, the budgeting for the 2050 uh um, zero by 2050 objective, uh, we are way over budgeting uh, and way overstating everything. Uh, now, just but, one, sorry. I was going to say, uh, but you have made a comment in one of your other articles, and I should say Barry is the chairman of the Climate Science Coalition in New Zealand. I, I admitted that at the start. Um, you've even written that um, if if everything uh, was fair and equal, the GWP for methane would be about one. Um, yeah. And so your your argument that it's overstated by a factor of seven, we could easily argue it's overstated by a factor of 28. Um, so, look, let's just play with the IPCC stuff as you're doing right now. It's still significant. Right. Well, uh, the point that Frame is making, mm. uh, and Professor Frame was a... Uh, was one of the team of scientists who first found this overcounting. Uh, and the point he's making is that it has a whole lot of results, including the fact that what we are targeting, we talk about 2015, but what we are really targeting is only 2035, which we should not be doing. So that's a good point that he makes. Mm -hmm. uh, and a, um, a second point he, he makes is that because we have uh, steady state livestock numbers, then our agricultural methane is not causing any warming whatever, right? Because uh, for every molecule that goes into the air, a molecule explodes from eight or nine years ago. Uh, and we won't be adding to any warming unless we increase our livestock numbers, which is not on the cards. So he's saying that if farmers are now going to be required to reduce their methane, that means they're going to have to be, not to be causing no warming, but to be actually offsetting what the rest of New Zealand does. Uh, because the rest of New Zealand can continue, says Frame, for the next 30 years, increasing its warming by uh, emitting CO2, but they're calling upon farmers to not only stay plateaued, but to actually reduce the warming and so to cross-subsidise the rest of New Zealand. Uh, and I, I've read Frame saying that before, and I think it's an excellent point. And it's also the point that uh, uh, the, uh, his Oxford colleague makes, is that uh, although the media presented that New Zealand is... Um, that the farmers are causing a large proportion of New Zealand warming, 
In fact, because it's a, uh, there's no increase in livestock, we're not adding to the global warming any, anything at all. Uh, and if the farmers are then required to reduce, then that's simply going to subsidise the increases that are being undertaken in the urban areas. Yes, so he so gets that right. He does get that right. That's the point that Prime makes as well. Yeah. He does get that right, Barry. He does get that right. But um, yeah, we get you get down into the minutiae and it really does start to confuse everybody. And sorry, that's what we have to do to try and break this out. It seems quite awkward um, that um, Dr. Frame posits all this stuff in this in this email and he still doesn't give any attribution where you can find what he's done. But he then goes on to besmirch the character of um, some very well-known uh, uh, physicists. Yeah, I, I was disappointed in that. I thought it was pretty unworthy. Mm. Uh, he uh, he says he doesn't like rural people listening to Tom Sheehan, but he's he's just pouting. You know, he he, he he doesn't say why he doesn't like them listening to Tom, but I presume it's because he doesn't agree with Tom, and that seems to me a good enough reason uh, for Dave Frame to say he's disappointed that other people are listening to what Tom Sheehan had to say. But he then goes on to say that Tom Sheehan was quoting research by a couple of physicists from the United States who don't really have a record of doing a lot of climate change research. Well, now, that's, that's an appalling argument. Uh, it's a it's essentially a boastful claim that I do more research than uh, than these two physicists in the United States. It's not unsupported by any evidence or anything other than the fact that Frame is more boastful than others, and he says I'm smarter than they are. Well, <laughs> it's pretty easy to respond to that. Uh, so I'm just going to have a look at the uh, CV of the man who Dave Frame says that he's smarter than. And this is uh, Will Happer, uh, Dr. William Happer, Professor Emeritus in the Department of Physics at Princeton University. Now, Princeton is a, is a well-regarded university, well-known all over. Will Happer joined the Princeton Physics Department in 1980. So he's been there for 40 years. He's become a renowned professor. His particular specialty is radiation physics, which is what climate change is all about, atmospheric radiation. Uh, He's published over 200 peer-reviewed scientific papers. He's a fellow, and this is a, a considerable honour. In fact, he has a whole string of awards and the like, but he's a fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Now, unlike most other scientists, uh, highly regarded uh, physics professors, he knows quite a bit about the real world and the world of politics. And he served as the director of energy research under the first 
President Bush from 
saying that this is exactly this is New Zealand's you know contribution to warming thanks to our livestock numbers. Now, when you look at the world's biggest producer and consumer of dairy, that's India. No one can very reasonably guess what is the total livestock number in in India, number of ruminants. You don't have a national herd scheme. It varies from anything from 450 million to 650 million, depending on which Indian government database you choose to look at. And yet, New Zealand must go where the angels fear to tread. I I don't know. We we excel at being lab rats, and we had no problems, no qualms at all, being the world first, even if it means committing economic suicide. Well, a, a lot of this, I mean, the, the the argument that we have added four millionths of a degree <laughs> uh, is the type of thing that we we hear from the propagandists uh, thousandths of a degree here, hundredths of a degree there. These things are not detectable, right? They uh, no. Maybe they come up on a blackboard when you do a lot of maths or on your, um, uh, on your calculator screen. But in the real world, there is no such thing as four millionths of a degree. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, uh, I think uh, Dave Frame uh, is, well... I'm I'm very critical of him criticizing other scientists whom he hasn't read or hasn't uh, uh, certainly hasn't studied. Uh, when he then after after criticizing Will Happer by saying that he's that Dave Dave Frame claims that he's that I'm better than Will Happer, well that's a matter of opinion. Uh, but r- really. Let's see what he does about Will Happer's arguments uh, and the arguments that were uh, uh, conveyed very well by Tom Sheehan, who was visiting New Zealand fairly recently. Now, what Frame has to say about that is that we've taken all that into account and I'm quoting him, most of the effects that they've assumed are not accounted for are in fact factored in. We also, we do know about clouds and the difference between cloudy sky radiation and clear sky radiation and all those things. Well, that isn't what Happer and Weingarten are on about. It isn't what Tom Sheehan was on about. He wasn't talking about clouds. He was talking about the difference between real-world air and laboratory air. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laboratory air is uh, desiccated, all the uh, water vapour is taken out of it because they want to have constant conditions to to do their experiment. So under those conditions, you get a certain result. You get a different result when you go to the real world. Now, how do we know what you get when you go to the real world? Well, you can only know that by looking at the data. Uh, and that's exactly what Happer and Weingarten do in, uh, in huge detail, in, in massive detail. Uh, and Dave Frame obviously hasn't read any of their papers. He, he doesn't even know that we are talking about the impact of water vapour uh, not the impact of clouds. 
So he, he's not within a million miles of, of um, coming to grips with the argument that Tom Sheehan was making and making some attempt to rebut it. So I think it's fair to say that there's no rebuttal whatever in what Frame has said. Frame has said he's disappointed that people are listening to Tom Sheehan and he thinks he's smarter than Will Happer. And when it comes to the actual science, he's got nothing to say, except he talks about clouds. Uh, and, of course, we're not talking about clouds. So, so, so Barry, I'm sorry to interrupt. It, it seems that at the end of all this, there's a bit of face-saving going on because the narrative in New Zealand has been X. We're now trying to make X a little less than it was, a little like a small X now, but we need to still be seen to show that what we were advising the government was correct. But um, I know and you know that um, Dr. Frame has also sent a letter to the Minister for Climate Change saying that it's disingenuous to uh, be using the GWP metric of 28 um, today for New Zealand's uh, climate change policy. It's disingenuous because the IPCC have said so. So Dave Frame on one hand is sort of saying the right thing, but he's not willing to go all the way. And so this seems to me that beef and lamb or dairy and Z, yeah, and I'm speaking from a farmer lobbyist point of view, have spent a lot of money on this character to talk to the farmers in the way they have. And there's there's a bit of, yeah, look, let's there's a 50-50 call going on here and it could fall either way. And there's, this, there is something to see. There is something to see. And farmers can't grab hold of it yet, but we're trying to. And I'm hoping um, post-election or even leading up to the election, we might get some better clarity because I'm aware that, for instance, um, and Jaspreet's highlighted this, that we're up for about $370 million worth of of carbon costs by, was it 2035, Jaspreet? If we, yeah, yeah, because the IMF if, says we need to double the price of carbon. That's just come out this week, that we need to double the price of carbon, literally, because otherwise we won't meet our 2030 commitments. So, yeah, self-destruct uh, or else. And we already have, I think, the biggest current round account deficit in the OECD. <laughs> it's well, well it, it, it'll only get worse. Uh, uh, Professor Frame, along with Adrian Macy, the diplomat, uh, the two of them wrote a series of articles for Business Desk uh, in, in which they were uh, opposing the government's policy, particularly the policy which uh, is overambitious and the only way we can meet it, the only realistic possibility of us meeting us is by buying offshore credits. So we're going to have to buy, according to Dave Frame, $30 billion worth of offshore credits by 2030. $30 billion, $30,000 million. Now, this, this is huge. Now, this is more than the health boat. And oh. we are under this climate change regime According to Professor Frame, we are on course to spending that sort of money uh, in China or somewhere to buy hot air credits to offset what we say are our sins. But we do all that without even 
lining up our greenhouse gas inventory uh, with the uh, with the decisions that have been published by the IPCC, by the uh, United Nations. Uh, and so we overcount uh, our emissions, and then our overcounting is going to cost us $30 billion. Now, you know, this, this is crazy stuff. Uh, and, you know, I think... I, I think there are two steps, Don. I agree with what you say. The the the, the huge overcalculation is that uh, uh, methane is causing forty percent of all New Zealand's emissions. Uh, that's a uh, uh, an acknowledged overstatement. I think there's virtually no argument that that's an overstatement by about four. So. That brings us down to saying that methane's causing 10% uh, of our emissions, of our warming. Uh, and there, I don't think frame will go any further than that. I think that's as far as you're going to get frame to go because right. he, he he's a an alarmist. He's on that side of the fence. But, of course, there are plenty of other scientists and uh, prominent amongst them, Professor Will Happer and Weingarten uh, uh, and Tom Sheehan, uh, who say, well, okay, good, you've come down from 40% to 10%, but the 10% is also wrong. Uh, and at that point, we get into quite complex, well, we get into you know, pure and simple science. Uh, now, how are we going to resolve a scientific dispute? Uh, it's uh, uh, you, you need to have some sort of uh, um, uh, inquiry, some sort of commission of inquiry, uh, which will hear the viewpoints of uh, the alarmists, will hear the viewpoints of the skeptics, uh, will bring the, the issues down to something that people can get their heads around, uh, and then eventually uh, decide who's right on this and who's wrong. But who's going to do it? Because oh. around the world, the the whole climate thing is not focused on agricultural methane. Now, the place I mean, to do that... It's even worse, I think, if I may interrupt you, it's even worse they're deliberately deceiving us. You would think that David Frame, who was a lead author for the fifth and sixth IPCC reports, would have a handle on this thing. And his... You know, directives to the Ministry of Environment would at least get the methane warming effect right. But no, the Ministry for Environment, their policy document from which all the councils, because of the methane issue doesn't just affect rural New Zealand. It's all these organizations, including councils, are now being asked to inventory, to make an inventory of their greenhouse gas emissions. So uh, I had a policy document put forward and I had a look at it. They were using the 2007 IPCC fourth reports warming uh, GWP, global warming potential. So when I asked that, why are we looking back at science from 2007? We are in 2023. There have been two more reports since. I was told to have a look at this guidance document that the government produces, and that very clearly says, we use, as a small footnote, we use the 2007 IPCC global warming potential figures to ensure consistency 
with New Zealand's Greenhouse Gas Inventory Report 1990 to 2020, which were used as the basis for all our calculations. So they are that rigid that they, it is cast in stone. You know, they are not budging from that, despite David Frame being a lead author in the fifth and sixth IPCC report. So that's where we are wandering around in 2007. And for town people, this is going to come to the fore when their councils have to make, have to put in money into all these uh, measures from wastewater treatment plants, effluent, your landfills, garbage disposals to bring down the methane emissions because we are over-calculating them. Where are rates going to end up at? Well, uh, this is on the over-calculation mm. point, Jasper. Yes, yep. I, uh, it, it, I, I just don't think it's sustainable for anybody to say, I'm relying on 2007 report uh, issued by the Working Group 1 of the IPCC, and we know that Working Group 1 has put out another report in 2013 and another report in 2021, uh, and in their latest report, they say, no, we got it wrong in 2007. Here is what no. is the right figure. And so how can politicians say, but it suits us better to rely on the old figure because we already did it. And it's, mm. it's got nothing to do with science. It's got everything to do with what the bureaucrats find to be convenient. Now, that can't fly. It, 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 has, can't. it has flying, Barry. It is right now you go to environment.gov.nz, you look at the measuring emissions, a guide for organizations, last updated 16th August 2022. This detailed guide is a part of eight documents and tools uh, for measuring emissions for New Zealand organizations wishing to report their voluntarily their emissions. So this, they are not budging on this. I have tried. I've hit my head against a wall. They are not budging past 2007. Jaspreet, it doesn't really matter what they do. Mm. What they want to do is to apply taxes to all of us, to five million of us, right? And if they are going to apply taxes on the basis of uh, wrong science, and all five million of us know the science is wrong, uh, and we ask them, why are you putting this tax on us? And they say, because it's convenient for us, then they're gone. Now, I'm not saying it'll happen next week, but I cannot see how in a democracy you can have a government which joins to, joins up to the IPCC, it signs up to the uh, Framework Convention on Climate Change, it pays annual dues, and it receives and signs off on the Sixth Assessment Report. We've not only received it, the New Zealand government got an early copy of it and signed off on it. So now it is no possibility that the New Zealand government isn't committed to that sixth assessment report. And it says we are overstating it by a factor of four. So if now, I could play the they devil's just advocate can't stay here, with that. are they doing, if I play the devil's advocate here, are they doing it? Because if they can, you know, vilify methane to the nth degree, then they don't go after carbon. And you can put the burden on rural New Zealand and uh, subsidize the urban. Is that is that what the end goal is here? Uh, well, uh, if <laughs> if there is nothing 
if this is simply an attempt to uh, to screw the farming community uh, at the expense of everybody else, uh, then I don't think that's sustainable either. But uh, but I really think that the way it's being presented is that uh, no, we are sticking to the way outdated numbers because it suits us. It's more convenient. It's what we did before, and we don't want to change. Now that's just not an excuse at all. It'll never fly. It may take a little while, but you you can't make policy policy which might cost us thirty billion dollars. And David Frame says it will cost us $30 billion. And we're making that policy on the basis of science that we know is wrong, but it suits us. It's more convenient. It just can't fly. Well, it's had 25 years of flying and uh, to this point, and it's given a whole lot of people a whole lot of paychecks. And it's very frustrating to a, to a producer to have that continue. The saddest thing is uh, we do have some producers and some aspiring um, candidates in, in the next election from rural New Zealand sort of saying that, oh, we'd like to continue methane being demonised uh, because we'll uh, be first out of the blocks to have a remedy and we'll get better market advantage over our competitors. I mean, that's that was the yes, argument. I've heard that, that from a Can National Party. I think it's oh, appalling. It's appalling. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. But, but just just uh, when you, I just wanted to take pick you up on you saying we've had twenty five years of it flying. Uh, we, we haven't really. We've had twenty four years of uh, the IPCC being accepted, uh, and we don't like what the IPCC used to say. Uh, but they used to say that methane was 28. Uh, so we've had 24 years of that, but we haven't been able to turn them around because they say, look, the IPCC is the holy writ. It's the Bible. It's the gold standard. So if they say it, you cannot, all the arguments you make at farmer meetings simply bounce off our coat of armor. Our coat of armor is IPCC. Now the coat of armor has gone away, and it's only gone away for about a year. Yes, and, and we, what are they doing? Well, they are crying, flailing, waving their arms, but they will have to give way. <laughs> they will have to give way, and so um, moving on a wee bit from um, from that article in the Farmers Weekly that's uh, raised the ire of a lot of people. Um, let's talk about. Um, uh, the, the, there's the blogging that goes on effectively and, and the big, big networks of alarmism that goes on. And one one um, blog that we I picked on last week was Smog, and you've um, alerted us to it with regard to the, you know, finding out William Happer's credentials out of it. Your name is in there. Um, they've attacked you on a, you know, and so this is an alarmist blog, uh, listeners, and it's got, thousands of articles built up in there uh and there's a whole database of supposed skeptical people <laughs> and there's some some big names in there from tony abbott to donald trump uh you know jaspreet's name's not in there yet but i think it could be <laughs> um uh, and mine's not unlikely to be there because i'm a nobody but uh, barry your name's in there and what do you say to some of the um the assertions that are made under your heading in there. It, you know, they've written quite a quite a, um, a missive on you. 
Uh, they've quoted you on some certain certain things. They've uh, talked about your stance on climate change. You've talked about they've talked about your speaking uh, roles around the world and things. What what commentary can you give us on that? Well, Dismoglog is or Dismog website is a uh, New York um, sort of a uh, a spy service run by the climate cartel, uh, and uh, they are uh, they collect uh, what they like to call as dirt you know, information on everybody everywhere. That's in every country in the world who speaks out uh, against the uh, their preferred narrative about climate crises, about the climate emergency, as they uh, they put it. Uh, and th- this whole narrative is backed by endless money, uh, and they have a uh, they have a spy service. They have a whole lot of other services. They have a PR service. They have the world's largest uh, PR companies uh, who are right there at Madison Avenue. They have, of course, huge amounts of finance in Wall Street, which is also just down the road. Uh, and they they use this money for a variety of, uh, of objectives. It's a wall of money. Uh, I... I thought it was worth looking back to what John Kerry, as you, you'll know, I think John Kerry is the special uh, climate czar for President Biden. And, and he told the, uh, the gathering that addressed climate change at Davos, the World Economic Forum, uh, earlier this year, uh, where he had flown in along with over a thousand other private jets uh, to discuss what was needed to be done about climate change. And he told the uh, World Economic Forum that the WF climate strategy is modelled on the global COVID vaccine rollout and it needs a lot more money. Now, this is not money to uh, build wind farms or to look at technology. This is money for the uh, political influence strategy. And I'm now quoting what, what he had to say. So, he says, how do we get there? Well, the lesson I've learned in the last years, and I learned it as Secretary of State, and I've learned it since, reinforced in spades, is money, 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 money. (laughs) And I'm sorry to say that. Now, Kerry's not touting green investments. He's talking to philanthropists about philanthropy. We have to do it on a massive basis, he says. And the key to that one is philanthropy. I mean, yes, technology, yes, exciting initiatives, yes, organising winning races politically, but we have to go further. So they they have gone further. Uh, and the there's an unbelievable amount of resources now behind this uh, climate crisis cartel. 
Jeff Bezos, as one individual, has given $10 billion, right? And he's given a billion dollars a year for 10 years to Friends of the Earth and other organizations to employ, well, to do a number of things. But if that money was used to simply employ campaigners, then that would employ 10,000 full-time equivalent campaigners a year. That's from just Jeff Bezos. Then you can go through a whole long string. I did mention that over a 1,000 private jets flew into Davos. And so we get to endless billions of dollars that are being poured into this uh, climate crisis narrative. Now, this, this is a subject that used to be about science, but it's now about money and politics and nothing else. Not just some of it, all of it. We've reached a stage, Don, sorry, in this country where we have patients, we have emergency room physicians, head of uh, Palmerston North Hospital, uh, hitting the panic button saying that patients are routinely, routinely waiting 60 hours for a bed. That's two and a half days. And we can, the fact that we can even think of spending this amount of money is obscene, just obscene. It's called ethical investment, uh, uh, Jasper. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you and I, you and I want to do a show on um, on financing. Um, you know, ESG financing and stuff. Yeah, the where money. the money's yeah. going. And I've always been queer. I've always queried, and in my own mind, what the heck a non-profit organization is, because there seems to be a lot of problems in non-profits. Uh, I haven't quite got my hand hit around that. That's something else we need to investigate. But Barry, you talk about a cartel. I mean, if you're in downtown Invercargill and you're worried about paying your taxes um, and you, then you get a carbon tax put upon it or you're a farmer, no one's thinking of cartels. They've been brainwashed into believing that they've got to do something. So it's a big well, quest to educate. Yeah, well, they have been brainwashed. We've had an example just last week that the New Zealand government uh, set up $300,000 they paid to Television One uh, mm -hmm. for for an hour-long breakfast program. Now, this is would be expensive uh, advertising if it was paid for by advertising, but it was uh, it was pure and simply propaganda. Mm. Right, it, it, it's advertising, if you like, but the advertiser is undisclosed. So it's given to you uh, as a taxpayer. Your taxes are taken, used by the government to brainwash you as a taxpayer, uh, and you know that that is utterly insupportable. Uh, and it's being done, but but of course, it's what governments do is. Uh, and governments have got unlimited funding because they use taxpayers' money for it. Uh, but this brainwashing, you will see it. Have you, have you at any time in the last year seen a an article in the uh, ODT uh, which opposed the narrative of a climate crisis? No. 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 
Well, if you go to the web, you'll find that there is a, it's not only the, uh, the spying organization, it's not only the finance organization, uh, there's a journalist organization called Covering Climate Now. And that, too, is headquartered in New York at Columbia University of Journalism. And it has uh, a big list of members. It says it gets to 2 million people. Uh, one of the listed partners is the ODT. What? Uh, and it puts out... Every day, it puts out a series of stories which the ODT can pick up and run as if it was theirs. Uh, these are not news stories. They're not even opinion stories. They're propaganda stories. And this uh, covering climate now, uh, it runs annual seminars or more than annual. Uh, it has awards. People get free travel. Uh, now, almost all of the – a lot of the uh, – the news media organizations, uh, the larger newspapers, the television series, they actually now have a climate reporter. Yeah. But that climate reporter is subsidized. The, the money flows from uh, New York uh, and pays for that climate reporter. Now that you've got the climate reporter on staff, you have to, you've got a, you know, a beat, right? So the climate reporter has to produce a climate story virtually every day. Uh, no choice. They have to. Uh, and they can't produce a story that says, uh, look, we learned something that goes against the climate narrative or they, they're down the road. So we have a whole news media bought and paid for and God knows how many journalists who are actually on local payrolls but are really being paid or heavily subsidised by people like Bloomberg in the US. Uh, and they just give the steady drumbeat of brainwashing uh, material on the climate crisis narrative uh, and you get it every day of the week. Now, so... so what can we do about it? Well, people like you, Don, are trying to inform people that there's more to the story than that. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing to lose. It's interesting. I, I honestly can't understand how anyone can prostitute them to lies. I just can't. I'm too naive, perhaps, but it just seems wrong that uh, people could be so uh, caught up in this misinformation campaign um, and they have the temerity to say that we or my side seek trying to seek some clarity and, and integrity is the one peddling misinformation. I mean, it's it's hard to believe we've come to this in 2023 uh, when we've had supposedly 70-odd um, years post-World War II trying to believe that we're doing everything right for the world. Everything's going to be better because we're going to be smarter. We're going to be um, nicer to our neighbours. We're not going to be having so many um, tensions in the world. But all this seems to be about driving tension. And uh, I just don't, uh, I can't subscribe to it. I believe the simplicity and truth. And clearly, yeah, my naivety is costing me a lot of, uh, lot of energy. Well, there's this, there's this thing called uh, noble cause corruption. 
Yes. Uh, and I think a lot of um, a lot of people in the media industry uh, made the decision years ago uh, that this is a threat, and uh, that I should uh, devote make what impact I can to offset this threat. Uh, and then, of course, it becomes easier when everything's paid for and it all just rolls out and you get stories provided and photographs provided and all the rest of it is provided. But they still, they, 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 they either do believe in the original noble cause idea uh, or they talk themselves into continuing to believe it, no matter what evidence is put before them to say, well, look, you can't say there's a climate crisis because the IPCC has said there's been that global warming doesn't have any impact on extreme weather. Now, how can you possibly now say there's a climate crisis? Well, they just close their ears and say, fingers in ears, Climate crisis, climate crisis. Yeah. Yeah. And Roger Pialki Jr. has written an article recently uh, um, in the Honest Broker blogs that he does talking about how uh, all bar, all the parameters around weather and climatic conditions, all bar temperature, there's nothing to see there. There's no increase. In fact, there's probably decreases in the last hundred years in several of the, of the uh, elements he talked about, but there has been some warming, uh, some temperature increase. So, the IPC, and he gleaned that out of IPCC data like you do, uh, and yet we never read one bit of that in the New Zealand media. Uh, the only people that have said it are on shows like this. Uh, and, and so, therefore, my next question revolves around if there's a change of government soon, what chance in Hades is there to get the National Party or ACT or New Zealand First, if they're in power, to move the dial to some some sort of integrity spot? Well, uh, not easy. As uh, as uh, you mentioned before, there are some uh, National Party candidates who think uh, uh, it's, it's actually a good thing uh, to tax New Zealand farmers because the whole world might do it one day and then we might be a step ahead and we might get some advantage. I said to the one I was speaking to that if I see a cost-benefit study which shows that the benefits actually do exceed the costs, then I might be persuaded. But, but I... Just from what I know, the costs are going to hugely exceed any possible blue sky, never, never benefit that might come somewhere down the track. Uh, but um, I, I don't think the National Party can avoid um, – addressing some of the many questions which have arisen. Things are very different now than they were the last time the National Party was in power. Probably, well, you know, a couple of really big differences are on CO2. The IPCC and the United Nations are now saying the uh, 2100 climate uh, temperature is likely to be 2.5 degrees above uh, pre-industrial times. Well, 
you know, the target that everybody would love to have and we had signed up for at Paris was two degrees, which is just a, only a half a degree difference. And if you look at the margins of error in this, you know, there's really nothing left in it. So now we're down to a prediction of two and a half degrees, which nobody can be very scared about. And we find that we've been overstating. And again, the IPCC agrees that we've been overstating our, uh, our methane emissions uh, impact by a factor of at least, well, a factor of four. Now, those changes must lead to changes in the attitude that the National Party takes. They have to agree after the election on a, uh, a coalition agreement uh, on the basis of the poll numbers at the moment, the survey figures, it will have to be an agreement between the National Party and the ACT Party. The National Party's uh, policy on climate change is far from clear. The national, the ACT Party's policy is very clear uh, that they want to see the uh, net zero by 2050 uh, act, which is now part of the Climate Response Act, but that act, they want to see it repealed. Mm -hmm. So somewhere between doing nothing and repealing it, there has to be a compromise. Uh, and I uh, I would hope that they could at least agree on a compromise where the Act is brought into line with the Paris Agreement. The Act at the moment is, is very much different uh, from the Paris Agreement in several really important respects. Uh, for example, the Paris Agreement says net zero by 2100. It doesn't say 2050. We just decided that New Zealand could improve on that. And New Zealand could uh, didn't need to be part of the team project to achieve this by 2100. We would actually beat everybody to it and do it by 2050. Now, a lot of other countries have said the same thing. Uh, so I hope there can be an agreement to, to line to align ourselves with the Paris Agreement. If we don't align ourselves with the Paris Agreement, then who do we align ourselves with? Greenpeace? <laughs> yep, and I used the analogy, and I'll use it again a couple of weeks ago, that it's like little boys peeing up against the urinal uh, at, a, at a school toilet. Uh, it's it just who can pee higher, and it just makes you, and little New Zealand seems to be the one that wants to have the, the big, biggest flow. So um and pressure so uh you know barry you're very candid about this stuff i don't know how you've done it for as long as you have and understood it and wanted to read it, it to me i've just got to keep it simple and i know uh it, it doesn't hit the mark but uh, i think jasper i hope you agree with me that every time we try to unpack it and and get it to a point it's the simple simple stuff that sticks it's the simple yeah. stuff that resonates with people and it's about telling the story simply uh, and clearly and Barry you help us a lot and so uh, I think we should draw this interview to a close but um, 
yeah, happy to have had you back for a second time and don't think you'll be off the hook uh, in the future because uh, we're going to have you back multiple times um, when you get get the time. So, uh, Barry, uh, on behalf of us both, thank you very much for tonight's or today's contribution and uh, we'll see what happens on uh, October 14. Can we all get some sleep? We will. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Jasper. Thank you so much. Jaspreet Bopperai and Don Nicholson with Greenwash on RCR, Reality Check Radio.